Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Yeah. Wow. It is electric in here. It is. I heard it in worship. And I love that. I love just being in worship services where you literally feel like God just walks in the room. And uh, so my prayer is that you're continuously blessed throughout the duration of service. Happy Valentine's Day. Okay. Let me be politically correct. Happy Singles Awareness Day. Uh, <laughs> women are like, yeah, I'm married to Jesus. Woo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, men, if you forgot, it was Walgreens. There's a clearance aisle. And um, I believe God's a way maker. So you're going to make your way off the couch this, this evening and hopefully be reconciled. And if that doesn't work, we have prayer partners here after service. So. Well, welcome. For those of you who don't know me, I'm not just some crazy black man. I actually work here. My name is Pastor Greg, and it is an honor to be with you all this morning. And uh, you're in for a treat. We're beginning a uh, brand new series, uh, literally titled Relationship Goals, because we believe relationships are important. And it's not just the fact that we believe it. Relationships are God-ordained. Relationships are so important that in the Bible, in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Because God is a perfect God, and we are imperfect humans. And so in order for a perfect God to have relationship with an imperfect human, there had to be something in the middle, and his name was Jesus. So God gave his son because having a relationship with you is that important. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when we talk about relationships, this is not just something haphazardly and this is not just something uh, frivolously we just throw in the air and just hope it works out. No, relationships have to be intentional. So as we talk on this journey regarding relationships, relationships are imperative because they form the foundations and the formation of actually who we are. They're our makeup. Does anybody remember their first heartbreak in here, right? Remember your first heartbreak? If it happened this weekend, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. For real, I remember my first heartbreak. I was 11, and um, it was my language arts teacher. However, <laughs> in my mind, it was real, okay? And um, then she proceeded to get married, and so I just... Hadn't been the same since, you know, just relationships, they shape you, they, they, they form you. So for some of us, we may have had bad experiences in relationships, whether that be a relationship with a significant other or family member growing up, and it has actually affected and formed the person we are today. And maybe we've had great relationships, and we can look back on our life or our childhood, and we have these fond memories of maybe a holiday season or tradition that your family partook of, and, and, and just the thought of that, right, brings you joy in the present day, because why? Relationships are important. So important that in Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible even says that uh, it is not good for a man to be alone, because God didn't just create us to have relationship with him. He created us to have relationship with other people, so he created a helpmate. And why am I saying this? Because I believe we can be intentional in various different spaces and places in our life, except for when it comes to relationships. And we just kind of think relationships are this happenstance. But many of us, if we took a real honest assessment of who we are, 
He could probably say, I'm good, but I'm not great, and I'm only good because that's predicated on the people who I have in my life who are closest to me. Because watch this, if you're the strongest one in your group of friends, maybe time to find a new group. Right? Relationships are important. So as we talk about this today, we're going to emphasize the point relationships can either make or break you. They can make or break you. And we're going to begin this journey uh, in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 25. And we're going to read about two different people. And uh, these two different people are actually husband and wives. And so they represent two different types of relationship that we can find ourselves in. Um, But uh, as you're turning there... um, I'm reminded that I'm, I'm getting old uh, in very subtle, subtle little areas in my life. And uh, this Valentine's Day, this past Friday, my wife and I were in bed by like 8.30, and it was the best thing in the world, right? When you start to rejoice in the things you used to get grounded for, right? You're staying in it, and you're going to bed early. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, right? But I remember also there, there, there's there, uh, <clears throat> a time in my life when I was in college, and I believe college is God's grace for you to be stupid. Right? We just do random things at random times. It's 3 a.m. Dude, let's just take a road trip. Yeah, because that makes sense because we have no money and no insurance, right? And just like, yeah, let's just do it. So I remember this time, true story. Um, I was in Bible college, and my roommates and I thought it would be a good idea to just take a road trip uh, driving from North Dakota to Denver, Colorado in the dead of winter because that just makes a lot of sense. And um, none of us had money. But uh, we're Bible college students, so we got faith in Jesus. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. No, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, but have you ever been in this place that, like, you're amongst a group of people, like, physically, but mentally you're not there, right? And they're just having conversation, and you're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, they, they have no idea. Like, dude, I've left the building. I'm gone. But, you know, you're just shaking your head, right? Some of you do that with your spouse. I know. That's okay. There's prayer partners. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but I remember this place because when, when God began to, to, to do some different things in me, things that used to appease me began to detest me. You know, when, when I start to grow in my relationship with God, things that used to bring me solace were the, now the things that just kind of, that, that nagged at me. And they just, uh, it's not the same. And I remember driving and my hands were on the wheel. And I remember uh, my group of friends in the car and they're having conversation and they're laughing and they're making these inside jokes. And I remember literally thinking like, well, how did I get stuck with these idiots? Like, why are they here? Like, why are my friends with them? Like, seriously, like, what, why, what do they offer me? And I'm literally having this dialogue in my head, and they're just having this grand old affair around me. They have no idea what's going on, and I, I remember just freaking out. Have you ever had a moment where you just freaked out, and you felt so embarrassed you had to go back later and apologize, right? And people are like, whoa, what's going on? And, and, and here's what was going on in my mind. I was like, God forbid, if we, if we, if the car stops right now, and we run out of gas, none of these clowns have any money. Right? God forbid, if if this car breaks down right now, no one in this car has expertise on how to fix a car or or is a mechanic. So we're just out of luck. Right? And, and, And Lord knows if we get lost, 
You leave four young men with the, between the ages of 19 and 21 to find their way via directions. That's just an accident waiting to happen. And so in my mind, I'm like, listen, they're on this journey, but really, in all reality, I'm the one who's driving. I'm the one who has to stay up. I'm the one who's paid the gas money to get us there. What do they offer me? Why are you here? And I remember just pulling over, everybody get out, just get out, just get out, dude, what's wrong? Nothing, sorry, sorry, just had a moment. But if you think about this, in all actuality, sometimes you have to assess your life and ask yourself the question, who's riding with you and why? Why are you here? What? Why are you part of my life? Are you a person who's just a consumer and you take, 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 take? Or do you, what do you add? What do you bring to the table? Right? Because relationships are all about reciprocity. It's give and take. And so this is a message that just help us see the importance of having the right people in our lives that we have relationship with. So in the Bible, um, let's look quickly in 1 Samuel chapter 25. I'm going to read a Uh, I'm not going to read the entirety of the story. I'm just going to break it up in a few small passages to help uh, lay the framework for today. Uh, But in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 25, starting in verse number 2, the Bible says this. A certain man in Maon who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a 1,000 goats and 3,000 sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. Wow. Okay? So here we are. We have two people in this story. And in this introductory portion of the scripture, they give two vastly different details about who they are. Abigail, they say, is beautiful and intelligent. Nabal, they say, is surly and mean. The word surly means to be harsh. It means to be selfish. It means to be cynical. It's just a vain type of person. They are polar opposite, and they're married. And I know this sounds like none of your marriage is in here, amen? But they are two vastly different people, so that means that they approach life differently. Why is this story important? Because, you see, during this time uh, that... Uh, we're talking about Abigail and, and Nabal. King David was in reign as king, and he was the newly appointed king. And during this time, shepherds, uh, shepherds would provide provisions for soldiers, such as meat and water uh, and supplies that they needed. And in exchange, the soldiers provided protection for the farmers and, and the shepherds. And it was just this custom to have an exchange. And, and because of that, here we are and we see our dear friend Nabal and Abigail. Now, as we look at this, we see Nabal's approach to this custom, but which is really a relationship. And he's about taking, but he's not really about giving. So if we look, And we just continue on a bit here. But before we do that, let me help you with this. Literally, in the context in which this was written, the name Nabal literally means fool, right? 
So just go to work tomorrow and somebody gets on your nerves, Nabal. What did you call me? Nothing. <laughs> right? And the name Abigail means one who gives joy. So literally, we see these two individuals living up to their namesakes. So let me just say this. It's never about the labels that people place on you. It's about the ones you choose to accept. <laughs> I just felt like somebody needed that. Well, no. But let's look a little bit further in 1 Samuel chapter 25. Let's look at verse number 10 here. Okay? And so now we see that David's men, David sent his men to, on his behalf to Nabal and Abigail to ask for provisions. And here we are in verse number 10. The Bible says, Nabal answered David's servants, who is this David? Who is the son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from God knows where? Now, it is way more than likely that Nabal knows exactly who David is. He finds himself mocking him. Notice that he is a rich man, so this is not a sacrifice for him by no means. He has more than enough. He, is, he knows the customs. He knows the traditions. He knows why they're there. But because of who he is, he's a foul, he's a vain person. He takes this opportunity to demean David's servants and, and, and to literally harass them. Instead of saying, yo, how can I help you? I thank you for the protection that you've given me. Literally what he was doing was he was dishonoring David. They provided for you, Nabal. The reason your flock is intact is because these men were on the outskirts of the city. And whether it be a, a neighbor from a, a, a near, near country coming in to invade or rather it be an animal, they ensured that your livestock was safe. So in exchange, the very least you can do is provide provisions periodically when they need them. Now, it's very, 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 very likely that Nabal knows exactly who David is. And it's also likely because if we know anything about the life of David during his kingship and even his time prior to being appointed king, he had a conflict with the former king named Saul. And so it's also likely that Nabal in this conflict was on the side of Saul. So he was intentionally doing this just to be a thorn in David's side, just to pester him. Now, here's the problem, because if you read anything about David in the Bible, we know that David lives either in black or white. He doesn't do gray. Either he's at his lowest of lows, and I hate me, take me now, Jesus, or he's at his highest of highs, right? And so when the word gets back to David, the Bible goes on to say there was a righteous anger that that just began to swell up in him. What does that mean, modern-day context? David is about to kill you, fool. <laughs> Seriously. And so, upon hearing this news, David made plans and preparations to have this man killed. Now, here we have sweet little Abigail, but because of who she's in relationship with, she's now subject to the same treatment. Why? Show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. And for some of us, it's not that God's hand is upon our life. We're not cognizant of the hand of God in our life because we're surrounded by too many toxic and bitter people. And so they have us thinking we're less than and forgetting that 
We're a child of God, fearfully, wonderfully made. Bought with a price. We've got the victory. Yet the people around make us feel like we're in defeat. But Abigail knew this. And if we, if we look at that text, and I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but if you look down, uh, starting in, in around verse number 14, we see that Abigail, she snuck away. And what she did was she brought David and his men provisions. She brought them meat. She brought them bread. She brought them water. And then she did what any good wife would do. She apologized on behalf of her husband. I know no woman in here has ever had to do that. <laughs> she apologized on behalf of her husband. And then not only that, she went on to speak encouragement to David. Why? Because that was who she was. And it was because of what Abigail did that David in return decided that, you know what, I'm going to spare the life of Nabal. I'm not going to give him what he deserves. Nabal was benefiting from Abigail, and he wasn't even mindful of it. And this is why I say all the time, friends, you don't need reality TV, just read the Bible. She goes back, Abigail goes back to her husband, and the Bible says that Nabal dies upon hearing the news that David's not going to kill him, right? In my mind, I believe, like any good woman, she manipulated it. She was praying, like, God, I don't want to do it. Just let it happen, you know. <laughs> don't hurt him, Lord, but just, you know, like, <laughs> upon hearing the news, he died. He was in a comatose state for about 10 days, and he dies. And here's how crazy the story gets, right? David goes on later to marry Abigail. I know. Read the Bible. Bible. But why am I saying this? Because here we see a husband and wife, and they're two different people, and they have two different countenances about them, and they have two different auras that they give out, and they come from two different places. And if we're not careful, we can have so many neighbors in our life that we're not living to the fullest of what God has intended and allotted for us because of the neighbors in our life sucking the life out of us instead of giving life to us. We all have the navels in our life. So what do the navels look like? The navels are the people in relationships who break you. Navels are killjoys. What's a killjoy? I'm glad you asked. These are people <laughs> that they are, rather than bring you joy, they kill your joy. You're happy, you get good news, and you confide in them, and you tell them, and, well, you know, I mean, it's not really a big deal. Like, really, dude? Really? These are the people who are selfish. These are the people who value themselves more than others. How did this conversation about me turn to a conversation about you? Has that ever happened to anybody? Like, wait, what? These are the people who are pessimistic. They assume the worst rather than the best. You have a job interview, like, well, you know, don't get your hopes up high because, you know, they're just hiring thousands of people, so you're probably like, whoa, hold on, buddy. These are the people who uh, will bring doubt, right? They question your faith instead of encourage it. 
Maybe God, you feel like God has called you to step out on a measure of faith. And these are the people that say, well, I don't know if you should leave your job. I mean, you have a history. You can't even really keep a job anyway. So, you know, like, can I just get some encouragement, please? But many of us, we are surrounded by these type of people, and because of who they are, it's affecting who we are. And because of that, we're not living to our fullest potential. And I know how you good Christian people think, well, Pastor Greg, you know, I just, I can't. I, that'd be mean. They're my family. I know. That's the problem, right? Um, and we're not understanding that, listen, that relationship is something that we have to be very intentional about because why? Because on this journey of life, we have one goal. Paul writes that I press on towards the mark of the upward call. And in order to live the upward call, I have to press. So in order for me to press, I need some people along the way who can speak life, who can speak encouragement, who can say, Greg, you can't stay in that sunken place. You have to get back up. Who can say, listen, Greg, it's not as bad as you think. Joy comes in the morning. You can say, Greg, I believe in you in the moments you don't even believe in yourself. So in order to press on towards that upward call, you need some people in your life that give you life. We have to be intentional about the people we're in relationship with. Now, I know how you good Christian people think. You know, why don't... I don't know if it's really nice to just, you know, just kind of cut somebody out. Well, here's the deal. Don't cut them from the team. Keep them on the team. Just don't let them be in the starting lineup. Right? There's a bench for a reason. Okay? Just, hey, when you're on the mountaintop and, hey, you know what? Yeah, get in there. But your starting lineup needs to be people like, listen, when, it, when it's on the line, when it hits the fan, when it matters the most, these are people that can fight for me. These are people who can encourage me. These are people that are going to help me achieve what God has called me to achieve. These are the people that are going to keep me accountable to living the righteous life that God has called me to live. These are not the people who are trying to pull me back. These are the people who are propelling me to go forward. Why? Because relationships make or break you. Then we have the Abigails in our life. The Abigails are the people who, who make you, right? Abigails are generous. They give above and beyond themselves to better your life and your future. The Abigails send you an encouraging text. I was thinking about you. I was praying for you. I don't want anything from you. You were on my mind, and I just want to let you know that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You know what? You were on my heart. I just went by, and I know you love uh, these, these chai lattes from Starbucks, so I just brought you one just, just because to let you know that you matter. These are the people who just give and not take. And when they give, they don't have a motive. They just, hey, I love you. I want to bless you. The Abigails are selfless. They place others above themselves. They're, they're humble. We see Abigail was a wealthy woman, yet we see her humbling herself, going back to David, apologizing on behalf of her husband, submitting to David's leadership, honoring the commitment, and even encouraging David along the way. The Abigails are people who do just that. They encourage you. 
and they give you life. And why do I say that? Because for some of us, it's not that, well, well, maybe God just doesn't answer my prayers or he doesn't hear me. No, maybe you just got bad people in your network. (laughs) And if you would bring some different people around you, you would see your reality is not that bad. If you would bring some different people around you, you would see you are further along than you thought. If you would bring some different people around you, you would know that, listen, this is just a temporary season and it's not permanent. It did not have to be this way. If you would bring some different people around you, they can bring you into the house of God and let you know that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus if you would just bring some Abigails around you. Why? Because relationships make or break you. Because if life is oppressed, that means that this life is hard, friends. And even as a Christ follower, this life is difficult. Christ promised us this in John. He said, in this life, in this life, you will have trials. Write this, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It's hard enough. It's hard enough on my own. I can be my own worst critic. I don't need another Captain Obvious around me. I can doubt myself. I don't need anybody else to doubt me. I can fear for myself. I don't need anybody else around me who's scared. I can throw a pity party and it be sold out to capacity because me, myself, and I are all there. I don't need you to help point out the negative aspects, but I do need people in my life who would help me see the provisions of God and let me know that, listen, Greg, this is a temporary moment. It's not over. You're still called. You're still God's chosen. You're still God's anointed, and you can do this, and you can keep running this race. And for many of us, it's not our level of maturation and how much scripture do we know and Bible we know. Who are the people closest to you? And are they Nabal's or Abigail's? Here's your tweetable testimony for the day. You ready for this? You can't attain Abigail-type favor with Nabal-type friends. I dropped this mic, but it's like attached to me, you know. (laughs) You can't attain Abigail-type favor with Nabal-type friends. And some of us are like, yes, that's what I want. I want God's best. Okay, then here's the type of people you need around you to attain that. And before I close today, I just want to give you a few things to take home, a few few nuggets, if I, 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 I will, because we want relationships that make us not break us. And so in order to have relationships that make us, first thing we need to do this is identify the most important people in your life. Identify them. Who are they? Who are they? Uh, these people are significant because they are, they're the influencers in your life. Who are the most important people? Are you surrounded by Nabels or are you surrounded by uh, Abigail? These are the people who have a soundtrack into your mind because the more time you spend around somebody, they affect you. Their habits become your habits. Are they life-giving or are they toxic? Who are they? You know, my wife uh, tends to make fun of me a lot. Why? Because I'm an introvert. And uh, her biggest joke is that you don't have friends, right? I was like, whatever. Her second biggest joke is all your friends are old people. Okay. Here's the deal. 
let me just say this. There's no such thing as old. You're just seasoned. Amen. Just seasoned. Glory to God. Just this wine has been in the cellar a long time. That means the quality of it is immaculate. Right? You know, first of all, I thank God for my seasoned friends because have you ever had a senior coffee from McDonald's? I'm like, you need some older friends. They come with benefits. Get friends with an AARP card. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. You know how many discount? Never mind. Um, <clears throat> But I told her that. I said, why? I said, I'm trying to be a good husband to you, okay? I don't want to be Timmy, who is 33 years old, playing World of Warcraft on his computer and lives in his mom's basement. I'm trying to be a husband who has an established 401K. Glory to God. I'm trying to be a husband who's in this marriage for 40 years plus. And so I need some people around me who have already made investments and who can teach me how to invest so I can have us in a situation where we have generational wealth and we're not just barely getting along. I say that to say this, I'd rather be the, the, the worst of the best than the best of the worst. Why? Because these are people who are going to challenge me. These are people who are going to pull it out of me. So these are for us who are insecure. Don't start feeling insignificant and woe is me. No, get some people that challenge you to be better. Another thing you need to remember is you need to assess whether they are influencing you in the right direction. Okay, so if they are a key person in my life, are they influencing me in the right direction? Or do I feel like it's the people closest to me that I can't share anything with because those are the ones that'll kill it for me? When I'm believing God for something big, these are the people that I have to keep it a secret from because these are the people that you don't want in the room when God's about to do something special because they don't have the belief that God can do it with you. Assess whether they're influencing you in the right direction. Because these people have the greatest impact on your day-to-day -day life. God has called us to have relationship. But relationship is something we must be intentional about. You know what my life motto is? Live intentional or go through life accidental. Nothing just happens. You have to make it happen. If I want to be a better man of God, I need some better men of God in my life. <laughs> if I want to be a better leader, I need leaders greater than, than I am in my life on purpose. Last thing I want you to know is this. If your friends are not your friends, it's time to make new friends. <laughs> if you're thinking about this, and you're thinking like, you know what, I'm always the one who's burnt out. I'm always the one who feels drained. I'm always the one meeting everybody else's needs. But in my lowest of lows, nobody's there for me. Who's going to write me the card of encouragement when I need it? I'm always the one making plans for other people's birthdays, but no one's ever made plans for my birthday. I know I'm coming down your street. Get your steel toe boots on. Uh, I'm always the one poured out, but no one else is pouring into me. Where's the reciprocity? Where's the give and take? Am I just always the one who is giving, giving, and giving, and people are just taking, taking, taking? But who blesses me? Who encourages me? Who speaks life into me? Who believes in me? You know what? If they don't, you know, they probably aren't your friends. 
Now, I love this because I see the eyes. I love, love seeing people's eyes because I can see right now there's people in here. I see you women. There's, some, there's a girlfriend right now who's about to go home and break up with her boyfriend. Listen to me. All you do is ever take from me. Don't put my name in it, okay? Don't Pastor Greg, no, 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 don't, don't tweet it. Don't post it. Just, just listen. And you did this, and, and, and I'm breaking up with you, and you, and like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the blame game. Why? Because whenever God does a transformative work in your life, he does it on the inside of you first. And do you know everything on the outside of you reflects what's actually on the inside of you? But you don't understand. They harassed me and they spoke these negative things about me. The question is, why did you allow them to do it? Oh, my goodness. I'm preaching to somebody in here today. How come you didn't speak up for yourself? Say, hold on, partner. I don't know who you talking to. But you better get right or get left, homie, because you, you, hold up. Well, you don't understand. They, they said this. Now, why did you believe what they said? And why do you find more of your identity in the people you're around instead of the creator of the universe? And why is it that it matters to you that the opinions of the people you're around is more than what God thinks of you? Y'all ready for this? Seek first the kingdom of God and every relationship you need will be added unto you. The problem is you've been finding your identity in the people instead of God's presence. And you're wondering why. I don't feel further alone. You can't establish permanent purpose with temporary people. I love old school church. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I don't live for relationships and other people. It's a byproduct out of my relationship with God. So if they're in my life, praise God. If they leave my life, praise God. Because I don't need you to make me. He's already made me in his image. So this isn't about just, you're, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and you're toxic. No, honestly, we may be toxic. For the fact that we allow these type of people in our life means we have a toxic way of viewing ourselves. We don't view ourselves the way God views us. We are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We are king's children. We are the head. We are not the tail. I don't deserve your leftovers. I deserve the very best. And if you're going to be a part of my life, I don't need your leftovers. I want people who are going to bring me their best and bring the best out of me. I'm not arrogant. I'm not cocky. I'm just found in Christ. Simple as that. For some of us, if we make this minute change, if we just learn to negate the navels and advance the Abigails in our life, we'd see our whole trajectory would change. <laughs> God doesn't even need to fix your finances. He doesn't need to fix your family. If he just brings the right friends around you, the Bible says a friend sticks closer than a brother. For some of us, we need people just to make us laugh. 
Laughter do good like a medicine. Because if we're not careful, relationships will break us instead of make us. And that's not God's intention. And so it's my prayer for you today, friends, that as you are doing what God has called you to do, which is being in relationship, that you find the relationships that make you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the ultimate relationship, and that's with you through your son, Jesus Christ. And I don't know where my friends are today, but ultimately, Lord, I just pray for the relationship that lasts uh, beyond all other relationships, and that's the relationship with Jesus Christ. But also, God, we know that in this life, we are imperfect, sin-scarred people, and so we have imperfect people in our life, but God, would you give us keen discernment? Would you give us wisdom about the people in our life? And if people need to go, God, give us the courage and boldness to let them go. And if we need to bring in new people, God, we thank you in advance for the people you already have lined up to speak life into us and not to tear us down. And Lord, we thank you for being our ultimate encourager, for seeing the good in us when we couldn't even see it in ourselves. And so God, we just choose today to believe everything you say about us. In Jesus' name, amen. 